We're in the middle of some barracuda waters in Ephesians. I don't mind telling you, and I'm not afraid to speak it because we've already dealt with wives submit. If you need to go look at that one, wives, or husbands, if you need to look at that one, you can go back and look at that one. And so we've dealt with that in the text in Ephesians 5. We've dealt with husbands sacrificially love your wives. That was last week. And this week, it's about spirit-filled children. Now, there are some children in here. Child would mean someone who is young, someone who's under the authority of their parents. So it would include teenagers. So actually, this message is for them. If you need to help the translation to your kids with this message, feel free. I didn't write it. I'm just the bread man. I'm just the delivery boy, okay? So don't shoot the messenger, and certainly don't shoot the message, because if you can understand this message today, if we can understand Bigger than this message, if we can understand that God has always been a father, we're going to talk about fatherhood today, we're going to talk about children obeying, God has always been a father, and we are his children. So you can translate that into how are we obeying God today as adults. But it's specifically written to children in Ephesians chapter 6. We finally made it to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm not sure we'll ever make it out of 6, but we have made it to 6, so I'm glad. If you're here, we're so glad. Um, As a guest, we want you to relax. We want you to just trust God, as the songs have said today. We want you to just live in the fullness of his grace and his power, and know that it means a lot to us that you came here today because you're special and you're valuable to God. And there are other churches you could have attended today and good ones, but you're here today. God has placed you here. We're here in this thing together. We're going to talk about family, and no one's arrived here. So we're going to talk about children living free in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Let's read the text. You follow along in your heart. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Verse 4. And you fathers, that's us, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Let's talk about children living free. And let's look at the context. Let's remember where Paul has taken us. Because Ephesians 5.18 is still carried into the context of Ephesians chapter 6 on the family. So you have to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. You have to understand what it means to be full on the inside. You have to understand what it means for Christ to be in you and you to be in Christ. The key to wives submitting is being spirit-filled wives. The key to husbands loving sacrificially is being filled husbands. The key to children obeying is children being filled. So if you divorce this from the context, you have a con. And a con is means you don't understand what Paul's already said. So Paul's already said, be filled with the Spirit. The key to living the Christian life, the key to the family is be filled with the Spirit. And that means to be continually, all the time, all the time filled with the Spirit, to be so dependent on God, to be so trusting in God, to understand that He's your firm foundation, that that Spirit that's in you would flow out of you and you could have obedience, you could have submission, you can have sacrifice when the Spirit's flowing through you. So that's what Paul's saying. So you can't dismiss what he said in 518. The context carries all the way into children obey. Now, Let's think about children living free. I don't know what your picture of freedom is. I don't know what your picture of God the Father is. But let me give you an illustration. My wife, before she got her license, 
as we all did, you had to go take the driving test. You remember that? And when you go sit in the car, you would wait in this line, and finally you would get up to, because it was your turn, and there would be a man with a big rimmed hat, because he was from Texas, and he had a clipboard and a pencil, and he would say, proceed, which means you were going to take your driving test. He would say, go straight, and he would write something on the clipboard while you were going straight. And then he would say, turn left, and you nervously turn left. So my wife tells me, she went straight, she turned left, she turned right. But the whole time, he was always writing something on his clipboard. Then it was time to pass the test and actually proceed on to get your license, and you had to parallel park. Do you remember that? There were cones like this. My wife was in a Lincoln Town car, her mother's car. You do not parallel park in a town car. It comes around, the back end comes around an hour later when you turn. So she proceeded to back into the cone. She took out the cone over here. She tried to go forward, took out that cone. The result of the test was the gentleman with the pencil... And the clipboard looked at her and wrote down, nervous driver, hit the cones, failed. Some of you have a picture of God with a clipboard, a big hat on, waiting for you to fail. That's what some of you have a picture of. But let me give you another picture. When our son was super duper little, he was riding in the passenger seat and he said, daddy, I want to drive. So what I did was I slid him over as a young little lad into my lap, and he put his hands on the top of the wheel. I was in control at the bottom of the wheel. He sat in my lap. I said, Cole, we're going forward. I said, turn the blinker on. He put the blinker on. We turned right. We turned left. We came back. I said, you did a great job. And that's the picture of who God is in our life. God the Father wants to be in control and be the one at the wheel in the family. He's not the one that's over there looking with a pencil and a clipboard just waiting for us to fall. He's the one that favors us, that loves us, that has a plan for us and wants us to succeed. Now, he has a plan for us to succeed, and here's the plan. His son, Jesus. That's the plan to get to know him, to get to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior so you can have God the Father directing your life, God the Son giving you the strength and the power, Christ in you, and the Holy Spirit telling you exactly how to do what you can never do in the family. That's what Paul's saying. So let's start here, verse 1. Children, obey. Stop right there, circle the word obey. The word obey means to listen under. It means for children to listen under to their parents. Um, For the rest of your life, children, students, teenagers, you're going to be listening under to your parents. Your parents are placed in authority. I want you to notice what the text says. Children, obey your parents, notice the phrase, in the Lord. For this is right. So the obedience comes not so much that you obey your parents, watch this, but you obey the Lord because when you obey the Lord, children, teenagers, then you are actually living in obedience to God the Father and you're actually worshiping Him because obedience leads to worship. So when it says children obey, it's a command in the present tense and you can't do that in your flesh. You can't do that without being spirit-filled. So we've come back from children's camp 
and student camp. And there were children and teenagers who were saved in both camps. You'll be seeing them baptized uh, probably very shortly. You've seen some today from children's camp and student camp. But notice what the text says. The first thing you have to have, if you're going to have an obedience factor in your life, you have to be inside of Jesus Christ. Children, when they try to obey in their flesh, it can't happen because they try to do something that they don't have the power to do. But Paul says, when children are under the authority of God and under the authority of their parents, then the Holy Spirit lives in them, then children can do what they could normally not do in their flesh, but they can do it in the Spirit because the Spirit gives them the power to obey, and when they obey their parents, they're actually worshiping God. So when a child does not obey their parents, their problem is not with their parents, their problem is an obedience with God. Do you see what Paul is saying here? He's telling us that obedience flows out of a life that's surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a dialogue. This is not a dialogue. You know, because parents always say, are you listening? Well, the word obey means to listen under. Your parents should never have to say, are you listening? You're always listening because God is using your parents to teach you how to trust him, and they are the authority. So if you have a hard time obeying your parents, then you're not going to be at peace with God, children and teenagers, because that's actually Christianity fleshed out. That's what Paul is saying here. So he's saying, children obey, listen under. Come, come underneath the umbrella of authority where the power is. Uh, I, I had this uh, noise coming from my vehicle the other day. Well, it's been a month and a half now. And I'm too cheap to go to a mechanic, so I like to Google and do diagnostics myself. And so we'll be driving. I'll think, you know, it sounds like there's a hole in the muffler. So we'll just stop on the side of the road. My wife loves this. We'll just stop on the side of the road. And I'll crawl under the car because that's where I hear it. And I'll get under there and I'll say, you know, I'm trying to listen under. I'm listening under. And I almost had my um, tailpipes replaced and all of my mufflers replaced. But I found out by continuing to go under the car and to listen under, I made the diagnosis. I think I'm right on this one. Uh, Would have cost me a fortune had I misdiagnosed this. But it's called an evaporator canister that's underneath the car. And what it does is it collects the fumes from the gas that the car burns off. And it was actually the thing that was kind of muffling or clapping. And it felt like a hole in the muffler. But I had to go under the car, even at the elementary school, right next to our house. Uh, I didn't have a jack stand, so I decided to just go on the curb and put the car up. And then I got under the car, and then I see a policeman. I'm going, well, have a nice day. What are you doing, sir? And I said, I'm just checking underneath my car. I'm listening under the car. And, you know, you try to explain that to a man in, in, in a uniform. Uh, that didn't go over too well. But finally, he agreed with me, and, and I really was doing that. But my point is this. When the text says children obey, Paul is saying, children, listen under. Get under there and listen to your parents. I can tell you this, there are some kids that I grew up in high school with who went to jail because they decided not to listen to anybody, not to be under anybody's authority. 
And then they actually were in prison. And guess what happened in prison? They told them when to get up, when to eat, what to work, what to do. Can I tell you something, students, teenagers, children? You will be under the authority of someone for the rest of your life. So it's better to learn this principle now about obedience. Obedience flows out of a heart that is willing to do whatever is right. Look at the text. Obey your parents, here's the key, in the Lord. So Paul's assuming to this congregation, to this church, that the Bible would be a circular letter, the church at Ephesus would be a circular letter. And so they would read this in the congregation. So Paul is assuming that there are children and teenagers in the congregation that he's reading to. And so when Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the emphasis is you have to be in the Lord. You, you can't be in sin and expect to obey. You can't live in sin and be born in sin and then obedience happen out of the flow of that reservoir. It has to happen when you come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Now listen carefully. You were not born a Christian. You may have been born into a Christian home, but you were not born a Christian. The Bible says all of us were born sinners. Our children were born sinners. You ask some of the leaders that went to camp with them, were they born sinners? I guarantee you they are. I mean, look at this. You don't teach your children how to disobey. That comes naturally. Listen carefully, children. This is important. Obedience does not come naturally. Obedience comes supernaturally. When children are spirit-filled, then they have the power to obey those in authority over them. That's important to understand. So that's what Paul is saying here. So kids, listen carefully, don't try to parent your parents. Don't try to parent your parents. That's not your job. And never justifiably get sassy with your parents. I'm meddling now. Don't roll your eyes. Don't whisper anything in a negative way to your parents because your parents have supernatural hearing that comes from God. Here's the point. Children... Obey your parents. It's supernatural. Obey your parents because God's glory is at stake here. The obedience of God is at stake here. Worship is at stake here. And so when you understand what Paul is saying, he said, children, obey. How do you do it? You come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You listen under and you come to the place where you get the right diagnosis like I did with the car that I was driving, that it's an EVAP canister. That's the problem. That's the root of the problem. I had to replace it. You have to replace a tube under there and there's a filter in there. So that's the really the root of the issue. So the root of the issue with a child is always sin for all of us. We're all born in sin. All right. We're not born in right relationship with God. We're born separated from him. So when you're born in sin, you have to make the right diagnosis. And the right diagnosis is that the Bible says in Psalm 51, 5, that I was born in iniquity and in my mother's womb she conceived me. And so I was born in sin, all right? And so it's writhing, it's twisting. I'm born in sin. I have a sin nature. And one of the things that we do as children is we try to justify our sin. And we try to say that our sin is external. Something out here caused me to sin. The Bible says what causes you and me to sin we were born with it. It's inside of us. 
there's a poison inside of us. It's like looking at a cobra or a rattlesnake in Texas and going, boy, that's a dangerous snake. Well, the reason the snake is dangerous is the poison is in the snake. So you don't focus on the poison, you focus on the root of the problem that we're born with poison in us. The poison is sin. And the only way for a child to be obedient in the Lord is to come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to move from the family over here of Satan to the family of God over here. And so then you have the power to obey when you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your parents should never have to tell you why you should obey. You should do it because you honor him. All right, for all the children in here, I'm not hearing you very well. This is for you. Okay, so this is the point. Now let me explain something here. Children obey, all right, come under your parents in the Lord for this is right. It is never wrong to do the right thing. What's right? It's right for you to obey because God set up the authority in the home. The husbands are living their lives sacrificially before their wife. The wives are submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ in the marriage. So the children are already seeing wives submit, husbands sacrifice. And then Paul writes, now when you come into a right relationship with the Lord, hopefully you've had a good model over here. But if you haven't had a good model over here, let me tell you who the perfect model is. God the Father has always been a father. And he's the perfect model. Maybe your parents have brought you a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of disappointment in your life. I got good news for you today. You come into the family of God by faith in Jesus Christ with God the Father being God the Father who's always been perfect and you can understand what family really is. Doesn't matter if your family was messed up. It doesn't. We're all messed up. We all need counseling. We're all a project. But watch this. Because we're born in sin. But I don't have to stay in sin and I don't have to live in sin. I can yield my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then as a child, I have the power to obey that's in the Lord. Let me tell you a story that's really close to home and I'm not sure I can make it through. <laughs> Talking about being in Christ, being in the Lord. The gentlemen, two gentlemen that were really close friends with my son were worship leaders. And they came to do his homegoing service, which was on this stage. And Blake Heron was uh, the gentleman's name that led worship at my son's homegoing service. And he knew us as a family. He knew Cole. He mentored Cole. Cole taught him some things. He was a gifted musician. They had a great relationship. When he left his home in Tennessee to come over here to do the service, his child began to ask questions. Why, why, daddy, would you leave to go do somebody's service over here? He said, well, a family needs me. And he started to talk about death and dying and heaven and what it means. And his son was six and a half years old and he didn't quite understand that. But it began to open up a conversation between the two of them about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So he came and did the service. He went back home. This is in October. Uh, just this weekend, his son has been continuing to have conversations about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. What it means to be in Christ. And so they celebrated, Blake and his wife Caroline celebrated their 10-year anniversary. And they pulled up the video. I did the service. I had a lot of hair 10 years ago. I'm telling you. I was one beautiful lad back then. 
Yes, my wife. <clears throat> so they pulled up the service. Their son's been asking questions I'm not, about Jesus and what it means death and heaven and dying. And they watched the wedding ceremony, and there I was leading the ceremony. And there was my son in the wedding processional, and he said, Now that's Cole. That's the one who I came to help the family out and to do his service. He's the one that went to heaven. Then they pointed out two or three other people. There's Nana in the video, and there's Papa in the video, and they're also in heaven. And so he continued to talk. This is just this last week. They have continued this conversation, and here's what their son said. I want to go to heaven just like Cole did, just like Nana did, just like, and here's what he said, and I want to be good enough. I'm going to start being really good so that I can go to heaven. And that was the turning point because they were able to share. You don't get into heaven because you're good. You get into heaven because of God. You get into heaven not because of your goodness. You get into heaven because of his greatness. And they were able to lead their seven-year-old child this weekend to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's in the Lord. Now, here's a little whippersnapper that probably couldn't produce obedience on his best day. But watch this. Now, he's in the Lord. There's a power that comes when you're in the Lord. What about moms being in Christ? What about dads being in Christ? What about children being in Christ? That's the spirit-filled family that Paul's talking about. Children, obey your parents. How do you do it? It's got to be in the Lord. It's got to be supernatural. It can't be natural. Now, here's what the text says. For this is right. It's just the right thing to do. You probably don't remember this, but Emery, um, he stopped a bank robbery years ago right around the corner from here. And I was in my office because I was his assistant. And I didn't even know there was a robbery going on. And we didn't have coffee back then and lattes. I didn't I don't know what I was doing. I was asleep at the wheel. And so all of a sudden, all this news and helicopters and everything was there. And I came out of my office, walked down the hallway, and there's NBC, AB, all the news stations. And I said, what happened? And here's Emory in front of the camera. It's never wrong to do the right thing. That's what he said. Now listen, children, teenagers, listen. It's never wrong to do the right thing. You can't do the right thing till you have the right one on the inside that gives you the power to do the right thing. And that's for all of us. That's for parents, children, wives, husbands, all of us. Then it says this. Here's another one. How are you going to pull this one off? Honor your father and mother. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. Honor your father and mother. The word honor means to esteem, to value. To, to put on display in a way that's honorable. So parents, what we want to be for our children is we want to be the kind of parents that our children can honor. So we want to be reparented by God the Father so that we can be the kind of parents that our children see God in. That's what we want to be. But if our children are going to honor us, it means they're to esteem. They're to hold in high regard. That's what the word means. That's what the word honor means here. And so it's a command that kind of crushes a child. How do I honor my parents? Well, listen, it's a command that crushes us and it crushes us to the point that we know we can't do it in our own strength. And the purpose of the crush of the command of honor, I can't do this, is to drive us to Jesus because he's the only one that can enable a child or a teenager to honor their parents. Now, this is important to understand. You have to separate the position from the personality. 
I, I just use my days at Thompson. I've got illustrations, Thompson, Dobie, everywhere. I don't know. There are probably teachers in here. Forgive me. I'll come to the hospitality room. I'll make it right. <laughs> I had a coach that was, uh, he liked to paddle. And it's back when we could paddle. And uh, I didn't honor him. In fact, I was very disrespectful toward him. So one day we're playing soap hockey um, in the, in the, in the uh, shower. Seventh graders, it's a community shower if you didn't know. I don't know if it's changed now. But we're playing soap hockey. We've got this game. Bunch of seventh graders. We're not supposed to be playing soap hockey in the, in the shower. We're supposed to be showering in the shower. Children who go to children's camp when they wear the same clothes every day, they did not shower. Okay, that's just for free. But the idea is that our coach came in, and our coach came in, and I didn't all, already didn't honor him. I already didn't hold him in high value. I already didn't esteem him. So he said, fellas, line up at my office. You don't have time to put clothes on. You line up at his office. So one after one after one after one, there was a big, thick board, and we were told to look forward like this. Now, we deserved every bit of this. I'm telling you, it's discipline, and we need it, the rod of correction. But I'm going to tell you what. I learned the hard way how to honor my coach. I separated his personality from his position, and I said, God, this coach is an authority in my life, just like my parents are an authority, and you're trying to chip away at the rough edges in my life, and I better learn how to honor people that are in authority over me. Children, honor your parents. Honor your parents. That's what the text says. So the command crushes us as children, but it also lets us know that we have the power in Jesus to do it. God's commands are not for our crushing, they're for our flourishing, and we flourish in obedience. Now, here's what the text says, going a little further. I have to roll. It's four verses, but I don't have to roll here. Father and mother, it says, honor your father and your mother. So there's both. So fathers and mothers, you can't treat your children differently. You may have different personalities and different bents, but you can't show favoritism because if their children are going to honor you and they're going to honor father and mother, you've got to be on the same page. Uh, you don't even have to read a parenting book on this. You just got to know you're one. Remember, we talked about one flesh, one heart, one mind. Uh, so parents need to be on the same t page with their parenting. And let me tell you the best book on parenting. I could, it's not Amazon, it's this. Right here. It's right here. Now, honor your father and mother, and this is the individual, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may be well with you. In other words, that there may be peace, there may be harmony in your home, and you may live long on the earth. So the idea is um, when you live in harmony with the uh, obedience in your home. And when you honor and esteem your parents, there's harmony and it goes well with you. You're not in, in war on the inside. You're actually at peace. Roger Staubach was a great quarterback. He, he had some differences with Tom Landry, but Tom Landry was the coach. And Roger Staubach said, I have a tendency to want to call my own plays, but I have learned to yield after we won these Super Bowls to Tom Landry because when I work in harmony and respect and honor with him, we seem to win. Children, when you work in harmony and respect and honor with your parents, God says the family wins. It's mothers being filled with the Spirit. It's fathers being filled with the Spirit. And it's children being filled with the Spirit. And that's what he's saying there. Now look at verse 4. I'm going to spend a little time here. And you fathers, now he deals with fathers. So he's dealing with fatherhood again. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up. That phrase means to nourish them. 
in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now listen here. God was always a father. So being a father is much more than having a baby. Being a father is much more than having children. Being a father is the personhood of the Lord Jesus Christ who is loving his wife in a partnership. And then out of that partnership comes the fruition of what the family is all about. And fathers are the leaders and the lovers in the home. Here's why Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Let me tell you something about fathers in this day. You need to understand the context. They dominated. There were no law courts. You know who was the law and who was the court? The father. He could imprison a child, his own. He could kill his own child. He could do anything he wanted because he dominated in the culture. And then Paul comes along and says, wait a minute, fathers, you're filled and loving sacrificially, so fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. The idea is fathers were provoking their children by taunting them and teasing them, and Paul said, stop it. Fathers should be the biggest cheerleaders, the biggest encouragers in the family. It says, fathers, do not provoke. The word means to exasperate your children. It means don't, don't provoke them, don't exasperate them. And it's a verb that means it's already in progress, so we stop it. Listen, fathers, it's more than paying the bills. It's, it's how we treat our wives, how we treat their mother. Fathers, we're not to provoke, we're to lead, be leaders and lovers in the home. Let me give you some things that this word would mean in this culture. First of all, don't provoke your children. Make sure you're not wishy-washy in your direction. Fathers, listen carefully. Make sure you're not wishy-washy in your directions. If the father is the leader and the lover in the home, he must give clear direction. When a child is exasperated, a child is exasperated when there's no clear-cut pathway in their home, where there's no clear-cut direction. There's no clear-cut way in which we're going to handle this home and behave in this home. So fathers are wishy-washy in their direction, and therefore their children are exasperated by that, because your children get clear directions in school. And in fact, in the book of Ephesians, Paul has been real clear what it means to be in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, in him we have uh, forgiveness of sins, redemption by his blood. Paul's been real clear that we're to have no other gods before us. Paul's been real clear that we are in him and he is in us. Paul's been real clear in chapter 2 that we were once dead and now we're alive. Paul has been real clear with his instructions in chapter 3 that Christ in us is the one who dwells in us. And we're to pray with this dwelling and this understanding of Christ in us. Chapter 4, Paul has been real clear what it means for Jesus to be the head of the church. Paul has been crystal clear what it means for wives to submit. Paul has been extra crystal clear what it means for husbands to sacrifice. And Paul says, listen, men, be clear in your direction because if you're not clear in your family, your children are going to be exasperated. It's time for men to stand up and be what God called him to be in the home. And that's what Paul is saying here. When you allow your children to be exasperated, it's when men aren't clear. We will say something like this, go color in your room. That's what men will say. Go color in your room. So they go color. They color on the walls. That's not what I meant. That's what you said. Go color in your room. So they colored everything in their room. Men, if you don't want to exasperate your children, 
Be very clear in what you expect of them. Be really clear, because Paul has been really, really clear in Ephesians what he expects of the believer who is now in Jesus Christ. So that's important. Number one, this goes with fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. The second thing is, don't be wishy-washy in your kindness. Men, when we provoke our children to anger and to wrath, when we're wishy-washy in our kindness, when we, we're kind one day and we're not kind the other day, or we tell them, do this, and we treat them this way, or do this, and we treat them another way. Paul says that you and I should be clear in what's expected, and we should be clear in our direction and clear in our kindness. We're not to taunt our children. That's provoking. We're not to tease our children. We're not to make fun of our children. We are to build the foundation of Jesus Christ in the lives of our children, and that takes training. That takes serious business. We can't look at the family as some kind of fickle thing. We've got to be serious about our role. And the only way that I can do what God's called me to do as a father is to yield to God, who's the perfect father. I've been down on the map more than once. And God the Father, it's like supernaturally, he picks me up in my trial. He picks me up in my woundedness. He picks me up in my bitterness. And he said, I'm going to carry you across the finish line and I'm going to release you right before the finish line so that you can cross the finish line with your faith in Jesus Christ. That's who God the Father is. That's the picture of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. A father that's willing to come down out of the stands when his child is hurting. I've got good news for you this morning. Whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, whether you're a son, or whether you're a daughter, you can come into the family of God by faith in Jesus Christ. All of us can. All of us have fallen. All of us have blown it. All of us have messed up. All of us have missed the mark. All of us have fallen down and God picks us up and says, you're going through because I'm now going to be a part of your family. And let me tell you something about God's family. He'll take anybody today that wants to by faith come to him. You can come into his family. And let me tell you something about God. He's ready to receive you. He wants to receive you today. See, some of your moms and dads, I'm talking to grown men and women in here too. Some of our moms and dads maybe didn't receive us like we thought. And some of the greatest pain in your life is coming from the fact that nobody came with open arms to you. I've got good news for you. God does. God loves you. Come into his family by faith through grace today.